0: Enough of that video. Well, good morning. We're so glad that you're here. Worship team, thank you guys for doing such a great job, man. Awesome. Worshiping Jesus. And, man, we're so glad. and I, I love this time. this Sunday before Christmas. Woo! Anybody else just excited or just, you know, yeah, man, it's, it's exciting. It's awesome. And uh, my boys have been counting down since November 1st. So for me... <laughs> I'm very grateful for this, so we don't have to say, yeah, Christmas is in 63 days. We can now say two days, and then we can finally start counting down for next year. So now we're, we're on a roll. But man, we love this time of year just because it brings... People are just open to so much, right? They're open to... Well for, well, for us, they're open to hearing the good news of Jesus. They're open to hearing the love that God gave the world. And that's what we want to continue and finish up our series on good gifts uh, this morning, is talking about love. And over this period of this month, we've talked about these great gifts. And can anybody tell me... Again Again, what are the three gifts we've talked about so far? Okay, wow. All right. Something like that. Peace. Right? We talked about hope. Number one, hope. Jesus came to give us hope. Right? And now we got eternity is set for you and I. Those who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. Now, I'm just so grateful for that because, you know, the, when you die and everything just ends here, that's not it for you. You still exist. And Jesus came to give us hope, not only for here and now, but also hope for eternity. And so, Jesus, we thank Him for that. Secondly, we talked about the peace of God, right? He came to give you peace. In the world, is there peace? No, right? A lot of times, they're based on external things. And if I can just have peace and make sure everything's my ducks on a row, then I can have some peace in my life. Jesus came to give you peace from the inside so you can have it on the outside. And then last week, we talked about joy. Woo! Anybody happy this morning? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That was a good woo. There we go. Man, their joy of the Lord, it gives us strength, but he came to give us his joy. And again, it's not based on external circumstances. It's based on knowing him, having a relationship with him, and what he's called us and what he's given us. Man, again, we are thankful for this Jesus, aren't we? Amen. Amen. And this morning, I wanna, we want to finish up talking about love. He came because he loved us so very much. right? So I want you to turn to your Bibles. John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Anybody know those verses? Yes. Anybody who's ever been to church knows these verses, right? At some point, everybody at some point, they, they at least hear John 3, 16. And I want to go over that again because who said these words? Yeah, in your Bible, the words are read, right? Jesus is the one that actually said these words. And uh, man, it's, it's pretty, pretty powerful. And I don't want everyone to take for granted why he said this. And uh, well, let's get into this. But I want to talk God's motivation Forgiving us Jesus. And we're going to see it here in the Amplified Bible. For God so greatly loved. Everybody say greatly loved. Greatly loved. Are you greatly loved? Yes. Other translations say for God so loved the world. Man, you're not just loved. You are so loved. For God so greatly loved and He dearly prized the world that He even gave His one and only begotten Son so that whoever believes in Him or trust in Him as Savior shall not perish, but have eternal life. Verse 17 goes on to say, For God did not send His Son into the world to judge and to condemn the world, that is, to initiate the final judgment of the world, but that the world, everybody say the world, they might be saved through Him. So you can see God's motivation, His heart behind that, is not to condemn, not to judge anybody beforehand. What did he, why did He give us Jesus? To save mankind, to save the world. That's the whole reason why Jesus came, was to save you and I. Now, the entire Old Testament points to this verse. All the Old Testament, all the prophets, everything you read in the Old Testament, which is, you know, from Genesis to Malachi, in between there, it points to this verse. And everything in the New Testament proves that this verse is true. For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that He gave Jesus. Now, aren't you just grateful? I mean, what is the, when you love someone, when you want to express love, how do you do it? You do it by giving. Well, God, He loved the world so much that He didn't just send a servant. He gave His only Son. Go back to verse 16 there for a moment. I I know we've heard this so much, but you gotta see this. God greatly loved and dearly prized the world that what did He give? Read it slowly. His. So He's talking about his, His. My, His, one and only. Anybody got a one and only of something? Could be a vehicle, right? Maybe you have one child. You you have your one and only. Now, God so greatly loved that he gave the the world his one and only son, Jesus. Now, what did Jesus, what kind of world did he come into? I mean, he came in not to a world that just needed, you know, a little pick-me-up, maybe a little bit of encouragement. No, he already came into a world that was condemned, Think about that for a moment. This world didn't just need a little pick-me-up, a little bit of encouragement. Come on, guys, you guys can do better than this. You know, it's good. He came to a world that was already condemned, one that was already destined for failure, destined for hell, destined for destruction. He came to that world. Why? So that he could judge the world and tell how bad it was? No, we knew that. Did we not? We knew how rotten we were. So what did he do? He came so that he would save you and I and bring us to where he is. Man, that is love. That's who He is and that's what He's all about. Right? You know, in the Psalm 107, verse 10, it says this, A world that was sitting in darkness, in the shadow of death, and bound in affliction and irons. That's where we were. Jesus came to that world. <laughs> it wasn't a great world that He came into, yet He came anyway. Think about that. Jesus didn't come for the church. He came for the lost. He came for those that were bound in sin. How many of you qualified? We're all in that boat. Just because I'm standing by on a platform does not mean my life is perfect. Right? So he came for each and every single one of us. And I'm grateful for this man, Jesus. Aren't you? Yeah. Right. Okay. So I want to just show you a few things. I mean, just to prove the heart of God in all this. In the Old Testament, again, as I said, this all proves that these scriptures, John 3, 16 and 17, are true. In Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 11 in the Message Bible, you kind of see it at the very end of it. Uh, it says this about, God is talking through the prophet Isaiah and saying this about his son Jesus. He will protect his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom. He will gently and carefully lead those nursing their young. This is his heart. This has been it the whole time. So meanwhile, people are lost in their sin. This is still what our Father's heart is. He will protect his flock like a shepherd. Think about that for a moment. Anybody, anybody here have some sheep? And you, somebody said, "Yeah, who has a sheep? Oh, you got a sheep. That's what I'm talking about." And, uh, and they go, "Yeah, I got a sheep. Got a sheep girl over here." Okay, so if somebody, some big bad wolf is going to try to come and get to your sheep, what do the shepherds do? Yeah, you, you're going to you're going to beat them up. Right? you well, you know, for, I, we're not really politically correct here. We're going to shoot the thing, right? And then we're going to do probably make a rug out of it or something. We're going to shoot it and we're going to make a boot or a rug or something out of it. We're in Alberta. We, can, we do stuff like that. It's weird. Okay. Only if you have a gun license, though. Constable, right? Constable, Mercer. We have a license. <laughs> but what does the shepherd do for the sheep? He protects. He guards the flock. This is who your God is. I, I want you to see him this morning as your shepherd. This is who he is. He cares about you. He's madly in love with you. And he is not interested in anybody coming and coming after you. He loves his flock. Right? Now next in the New Testament, as I was reading, just I've been, my my little own personal self, I've been reading through the Gospels over and over again. And I want to just show you a couple of verses that really caught my attention. And in uh, Matthew chapter 14, 13 and 14, this is right after John the Baptist. This was Jesus' natural cousin. And he knew about Jesus. John the Baptist and Jesus were close. Right? He's the only one of, J- of Jesus' family that understood who really, who Jesus was, what he came to do. And so they had this unique relationship with one another. They were, they were close, they were friends. John baptized Jesus in the Jordan River. I mean, it, there's all this. And now after this, John actually is killed because of a party. Jesus hears about this news that his cousin, his ministry friend, has been decapitated at this party. And all of a sudden, what would you want to do when you hear that somebody close has been murdered like that? Jesus wanted to get alone. And so I'll just, we pick it up right here. Verse 13. On hearing this, Jesus slipped away privately by boat to be alone. Right? Remember, Jesus didn't do everything he did as God. He did everything as a man. Right? Okay. It says, but when the crowds discovered he had sailed away, they emerged from all the nearby towns and followed him on foot. Verse 14. So when Jesus landed, he had a huge crowd waiting for him. Now just stop there for a moment. What would your natural tendency want to do at that point? Leave me alone. Just go away, please. Right? I'm, I'm not interested in it. Man, just think of the emotion that he had. This close friend, this cousin, this family member has been murdered. And now what I, I just, I want to sneak away. I just need some time. I gotta, oh, I gotta, you know, understand what's going on here. But what happens all of a sudden? The crowd show up. Here they are, a whole whack of them. And notice this, seeing so many people, what does it say? His heart was deeply moved with compassion toward them. Everybody say toward them. them. (laughs) So what did he do? So he healed all the sick who were in the crowd. You know what he did on that point? I like to say this. He retaliated to the death. The devil killed him, John the Baptist. So what did Jesus do? He retaliated, spiritually speaking, and he healed all of them. Take that, devil. But you just think of it, all the emotion that came on it, the way that the few things that I want you to see here, Jesus just gave me this phrase, I love people. Very simple, very basic, but Jesus loves people. I have that all over my Bible. Every time I see an instance where Jesus just met somebody, Jesus loves people. Now, please don't ever forget that he loves you, but man, for God so loved the world, not just the the nice cute blue globe that we're on, he loves people. He loves you. He cares, right? The next verse I want to show you is Mark chapter 1, verse 40 and 42. In the New Living Bible, it says this, A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. Now, I want you just to paint a picture. I mean, he, see, Jesus, he sees Jesus, this leper, leper guy. He comes running up and he's on his knees. Jesus, please, please, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Or sorry, let me just read it again. If you are, oh, go back. Sorry. Sorry. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. So see this man running to him, this guy full of leprosy. Again, naturally speaking, when somebody's got a very contagious disease like that, whoa, 10-foot barrier, right? Don't touch me. I don't want what you got. What does Jesus do? Moved, next verse, verse 41. Moved what? what? What's moving him? Jesus isn't even in control here. What's causing him to do everything? Compassion. His love for people is causing him to do things. Move with compassion. What does Jesus do? He reaches out and he touched him. Don't you know what leprosy can do? Yeah, but do you know what's on the inside of me? Right? Touched him and said, I am willing. So what's Jesus' will for you today? Same thing. Is it his will to heal you? Yes. And then he said... Be healed, verse 42 says, Instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Say this with me. Jesus loves people. That's it. He loves people. Next one I want to just show you too is Mark chapter 6, verse 30 through 34. Again, this is following right after again when John the Baptist passed away. But what this whole crowd... Man, Jesus, right after this, he's going to feed 5,000 men, not including the wives and all the children. So there's a lot of people. Just think of all that crowd. But notice this. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry and told them all that they had done and all that they had taught. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a little while. He said, because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. <laughs> That's a full-time schedule. Right? He's going all over the place. They didn't have any time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. So now what is what are they doing? They're leaving just to get some quiet rest, to get some quiet, and maybe eat some food. Okay? Next, but many people recognize them. <laughs> just quick time out. Aren't you grateful that Jesus is an introvert? But Jesus is also an extrovert. He's both. Right, I just love this. So he's wanting to get away. Let's just take some time. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving, and people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. So can you just imagine, you're in your boat, row, row, row in my boat, <laughs> gently down. and oh, We're going to see all these people. No rest for me. <laughs> like, it just keeps out. I just made that up on the spot. I didn't plan that. It just... Right, I, I know. <clears throat> So what did these people do? They ran ahead to the shore and got them ahead of them. Next verse says, Jesus saw the huge crowd and he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So what did he do? He began teaching them many things. So what did he, basically think about it, what did he not do? He put away his personal agenda simply to rest and to eat and say, I am, I have my compassion is moving me. Let me just teach you more. That's who he is. So can we say it again together? Jesus loves people. Does Jesus love you? Yes. yes. These three words, Jesus loves me, changed my life. These three words, Jesus loves me, changes the entire world. You can meet the harshest of harshest people on the planet, and when they actually get a glimpse of how much Jesus loves them, it'll change them forever. Yeah. Think about your own personal life. What may you used to be maybe a real harsh, real stuck-up person, maybe a real arrogant individual, whatever it is. Or maybe you're just this quiet, you know, tender, shyness kind of person. When you heard that Jesus loves you, what happened? It changed you. Yeah. You can't help but be changed by love. You think of all these people, the leprosy guy. Right, All those people that were healed by Jesus when John was was killed. What did it do for them when they recognized that Jesus had compassion and he moved out of that compassion? Did they ever live the same way? No, it radically changed the way that they live, right? Can you see that? How many of you experienced the love of God? Yeah. And now what does he want to do? It's not just a one-time experience. He wants to continually lead you and I in his love that he has for you and I. Jesus loves people, right? Now... On the flip side of this, and the cool thing is, is that yes, Jesus loves us, but a lot of times, how is he going to show love? Through us. through us. Preach it, Chrissy. Come on now. He's going to love us through one another. So what did God do? When you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God deposited something on the inside of you. Are you ready? Romans chapter 5, verse 5. I want you to see this. I got it on the screen. But God has placed his love the same love that we saw Jesus operating in, the compassion He had on the multitudes, the compassion He had on the individual, the compassion that He had whenever He looked upon the crowds, that same love is on the inside of you. Right. Say it with me. It's on the inside of me. It's there. It's there. Again, what caused Jesus to do the miraculous? It was His love that caused Him to do it. Romans five five, and just kind of look at... Uh, Near the end of it. For we know how dearly God loves us. You have to know how much He loves you. Right? You gotta know that. Because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with our love. No, no, with whose love? With His love. Now I know you may have heard this before, but man, this is, this is amazing. He filled your and my life on the inside with His love. You now have the same way that you got. Jesus gave us hope. You got peace living on the inside of you. You got joy on the inside of you. Guess what else you got on the inside of you? Love. It's there. It just sometimes again has to be activated. So you got to put this thing to work. Cause listen, when you start see love working, you start to see God working. Amen. That's what first John is all about. He talks all about is that when, how can we show love? When we show love towards one another, then God's love is demonstrated and revealed between us. God shows up because that's who he is, right? Okay, in the voice Bible, it says the Holy Spirit that was given to us has flooded our hearts with God's love. On the inside of you right now is God's love. You have the capacity of God's love on the inside of you. It's there. It's on the inside of you. And what can you do with that love? You can do a lot. We're going to read it over here. So what is this love? I'm going to give you some descriptions of it. What is this love? First Corinthians chapter 13. Let's go there. This is not a wedding verse, just so y'all know. This is the love of God that you have on the inside of you. This is what it is. Are you ready? Okay, again, I'll just read it from the Passion Bible, just like what Jamie did this morning from the Passion. But this is the love that's on the inside of you. Love is large and incredibly patient. So you can say this, I am large. (laughs) How'd that feel? And incredibly patient. (laughs) And I just have to wake you up a little bit. I am large and I'm incredibly patient. Can we read it together? Can you? We all can read here. Okay. Love is gentle. Oh, let's start over. Ho, oh, hold on. Sorry. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You sorry? I, you wanted to confess that you were large and incredible. Okay. All right. <laughs> Ready? Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements, nor inflate its own importance. Click. Does not traffic in shame and disrespect, nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. Love takes, oh, love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. And the next verse, a little part of it. Love never stops loving. That's what you have on the inside of you. It's there right now. Isn't that awesome? It's right there. And I want to just, going back to verse 7 for a moment, it says this, Jamie actually read this point out, and I want to just elaborate a little bit. But love is a safe place of shelter. And just doing a little bit more study on this, but it says that love covers all things, like a roof covers the house. Love does not focus on what is wrong, but will bear with the shortcomings of others. And like a roof protects and shields, you could say that love springs no leak. It is a safe place that offers shelter, not exposure. It's a covering not to expose. But first of all, we know this to be who God is, but we want these same characteristics to be in us as well. This, it's there. We want to see it, right? So, again, Ephesians chapter 3. So, I mean, I've moved on this. Jesus loves people. Now, we want to move on because we recognize Jesus loves me. I love people, right? It moves. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17, to be rooted in this love. Everybody say rooted. You got to get your roots in this love. This is where you and I, when when you get rooted in something, this is where you and I live. Stomp your feet on that ground for a moment. I, I'm I'm planting myself. I'm immersing myself in this so that every time that you push me, every time that you say something to me, every time that I act or I do something or I think something, if I'm rooted in love, it's going to come out of me. Right. If anybody pushes me or slaps me or does something horrible to me, if I'm rooted in love, my response will be out of love. Right? It's not a doormat. Right. It's not a doormat because love rejoices in truth, not in, not in what's not true, right? in injustice. But what it is, is, you know, I, what I, when you think the best of somebody, let's just say somebody actually came and did punch me. Oh, they must have meant just actually to love tap me or to, to say, Hey, how are you doing? I'm already thinking the best of someone, and I'm practicing this for myself. I'm growing in this. But when somebody says something, or they do something, or they behave a certain way that you don't appreciate, you don't you think that's a bit off. My first thing is going maybe they didn't mean it that way. That is believing the best about every situation. Doesn't mean you're just naive and go oh whatever they say that's just what they're at. No, it just goes no, I think they meant the best in this. Right? When you start to live that way, you start to live actually what Jamie said, light. Right? You don't take on every offense. Somebody says something and oh, that's just, I'm not easily irritated because I'm rooted in this thing. So when people say something, I'm not just going to fly off the handle. I'm going to respond from this place that I'm rooted in. Right? Because a lot of times we jump ship and we start going into flesh and we start fleshing out. Right? Okay. Now, the Holy Spirit, as I said, through the Apostle Paul, Ephesians 3.17, it says, be deeply rooted and securely grounded on this love. Now, how, remember, I'll just throw this out here again. But when I have a revelation or an understanding, a clear understanding from my heart to my brain of how much God loves me, I realize there is nothing God wouldn't do for me. When I get a revelation of how much God loves other people, I see how much that God would use me to reach other people. Right? I, I see that. When I get a revelation of that, I'm able to be used. Now, how do I get rooted in love or how do I ingrain myself in this love? There's three things I just want to share. Number one is relationship with Jesus. It is impossible to know and get rooted in this love apart from a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The same way that me and my wife, we know that we love one another. I'm rooted and I'm confident in her love for me. And she's confident in my love for her. Why? Because we have a relationship. We like to go out for coffee. We like to go and hang out together. We like to do things together. Why? Because I'm her best friend. Okay. (laughs) Just waiting for a confirmation on that. Okay. BFFs, right? (laughs) We have that relationship there. Well, the same way, how can I get rooted and established in God's love for me? I have to see it out of a relationship. When I'm in relationship with the Lord, my roots get securely fastened in it. Right? I know He won't leave me. So when I know something looks kind of cracky out here and looks a little bit off, I know because of His love for me, I won't be shifted off it because I know Him. <laughs> right? A lot of people, why do people just, you know, rather than being rooted, they start being rooted in their feelings. It's because they don't know Him. When you know Him, you get rooted in it. Right? Yeah. But this person said this, or they took that away from me. It's not about that. What are you rooted in? Right. I'm rooted in His love for me, so I, I actually can live the same. Yeah. Do you see that? I can live consistently here when I'm rooted and founded in love because God loves me. He cares about me. He's for me. He's not against me. And as long as I'm following him in relationship, in union with him, doing what he told me to do, I'm going to be all right. <laughs> you see that? It's the moment that I break out of this relationship and start acting and behaving on my own that I'm actually left to fend for myself. Okay. So that's number one. It's a relationship with Jesus. See how he loves me. Let me encourage you. You may know this. You may have heard this so much. Jesus loves you. But until you see it, it won't actually change you. Let it affect your soul. Yeah. Right, yeah. What is your soul? It's your mind, your emotions, your thinking. Just let it affect that. When you spend time with Jesus, let him affect your soul with his love. Yeah. Right? right? Okay. Number two, then, is now see yourself becoming 1 Corinthians thirteen four through 8. Large and loving, but let me just read that again. See yourself. This is now your profile. So when I every morning I wake up, I am large and incredibly patient. <laughs> okay, I am gentle and I'm consistently kind to all. So all of a sudden, what happens? Let's just say your kid again wakes you up at three o'clock in the morning. What do you do? Papa, I can't find my water bottle. Where's my water bottle? My, for those of you who don't know, I have three kids. And uh, my boys, they share a room. And a lot of times, my oldest son, if he can't find something in the middle of the night, he'll just yell cause, so that he can get some help looking for it. And it has been, it's been from socks to superheroes to water bottles to a stuffy that he can't find. Papa! And at 2 o'clock in the morning, what does everybody want to hear? The sound of their child screaming for them, and it almost sounds like, you know, somebody like he's hurting real bad. Hey, buddy, what's going on? Where's Woody? I don't know. Oh, there's Woody. Hey, where's his hat? I don't know, man. And so, in those opportunities, I have to a lot of times catch myself. I am gentle, and I'm consistently kind to all. Then you look at verse 5. I am not easily irritated. Because there's been times I love Toy Story. I shouldn't say I like Toy Story. Toy Story is a very good show of mine. But there's been times I wanted to rip Woody's head off. I am done with this toy. So what do I have to say? I am not irritated. Hi, Woody. Here's your hat. I'm not irritated, I'm not easily moved. So it, listen, it doesn't just come naturally to us. You have it on the inside, but it has to be activated. So there's been times, and I'm really working on this for myself. If there's a situation, especially going on with my children, what am I do before I even enter the room? I'm going to just take a moment and say, Lord, I want to thank you that you've given me these children. And what happens, it puts me in this state, so I actually remember, this is who I am, this is what's on the inside of me, and I want to activate it, because when I'm activating in love, I'm actually now training them. If I step out of that, oh Lord, watch out. Now you got flesh. And flesh will do harm to your children. And just people in general. Right? Somebody cuts you off in traffic, rather than fingering them or cutting them off. What do we do as Christians? Listen, you got to tell Christians this. I've seen Born Again believers. I got flipped off by a Christian once. Fingered me and he drove away with the Jesus fish on the back. I went, "No, seriously, you suck." <laughs> that is destroying the Christian. <laughs> Drive away with that Je- I wanted to follow him. I did for a bit, <laughs> and just tell him I'm from another church, <laughs> <laughs> and rip his fish off his car. And say, this ain't right, you, doesn't matter. So I slapped a devil sticker on the back of his bumper and said, hey, I know who you are. All right, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. But seriously, whoo, the flesh is strong with some people. And we gotta crucify that sucker. All right. <laughs> so number two, see yourself becoming First 1 Corinthians 13.4. So if you see anybody that's misbehaving or just freaking out, just say, you need to practice First Corinthians chapter 4-8. Okay. And then lastly, as I said, practice this love in your life. Let this be your reason of why. So when people ask you questions, why do you do that? Love controls me. Right? 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14, Paul said this, the love of Christ controls us. So every time that I do something, why are you doing that? Love motivated me to do that. Why do I, why am I taking time to be with this individual? Love is motivating me to do this. So again, I have to have it in a relationship with Jesus. I gotta see it. Number two is I'm gonna let this profile, 1 Corinthians 13, sink in so I start to see myself in action. Right? Look at yourself in action. Just figure it out. All of a sudden your wife decides she's gonna make tacos for dinner. What are you gonna do? I don't like tacos. So I come home and I smell the scent of taco in my home. Praise the Lord! Tacos! What am I going to do? I'm going to actually start re- replaying it in my mind. I'm not easily irritated. I'm okay. I know I'm acting like a baby right now, but I'm fine. But seriously, we had it six months ago. Do we have to have it again? <laughs> okay. Y'all, I'm just I'm just playing around. I just... It's, it must be the tie. I don't normally wear a tie. This is a lot for me to handle. Okay. And then lastly, I'm going to practice this. Let the love of Christ control me in everything that I do. Now, when I'm rooted and I'm grounded in this love, I'm able to live love. When I'm rooted, I can live it. Now, when you're rooted in this love, when you are fixed and grounded on this love, it's going to show up in a few different areas. And I want to just share that with you all this, this morning, okay? These three areas, this is how it's going to be revealed. Number one, when I'm rooted and I'm grounded in this love, I am able to think of others as more important than myself. That's the first place that it's going to show up. If it's hard for you to look at somebody and say, and look at them and think they are of more value, what they, their needs, what what matters to them is more important than what matters to me, we haven't loved yet. When I can look at somebody and say what they need and what they desire, what's important to them is more important than my own, I haven't loved properly yet. Now, I actually heard this, uh, this is uh, a gentleman, this is a few years back, I was listening to him, and uh, he, had a, he had a visitation with the Lord, and so he was called up into heaven, and uh, he didn't see anything, he just heard this voice, and the, the, he believes the Lord asked him, have you learned to love yet? That was the only question that the Lord asked him. I mean, this guy started relaying off of, you know, this is, these are the people that have been reached through the ministry, this is what they've done, this is what's going, da, 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 da. listing all of the, the things that they've done. And he simply asked him this question, the Lord simply asked him this question, have you learned to love yet? And he kind of, you know, shot back by the Lord, this is what we all did. He said, have you learned to love? And at that moment, he was brought back to his body, and here he was. So for him, all of a sudden, that became the motivation for everything that he did. Have you learned to live a life of love yet? Because really, from what I see in the Gospels, when you learn to love, man, now you've really living, yeah. right? When you see it how Jesus does. And in uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 through 8, in the Amplified, it says this, do not merely look out for your own, oh, there we go, do not merely look out for your own personal interests, all right, are you ready? Yep. Now, this gets a little bit heavier, yeah. right? I'm not, I'm not just going to give you a little bit of milk here. This, this gets a little bit weightier. What are we talking about? This is, again, how do you live this Christian life? To be effective. Again, we're all here to fulfill the great commission of going to all the world and preach the gospel to everyone. That's what we want to do. Now, it is impossible to do that without being rooted and grounded in love. We want to disciple people. We want to train them up. People got to grow up in church. How do we do that? How do you grow up spiritually? How do you grow up in the things of God? Love. It is impossible to grow spiritually a part of growing in love. When you grow in love, you're growing in God, because God is love, and love is on the inside of you. So we've got to grow this thing. Because as long as we're not operating in love, what are we operating in? To some degree, selfishness. Right? I think the greatest miracle that we could ever see, more than somebody coming out of a wheelchair, more than somebody even being raised from the dead, is to see a person who's received Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior become selfless. I truly believe that with all my heart. When you move past off of you and onto somebody else, oh man, now you start opening up a whole new world that you're able to reach people. Think about it. Jesus, again, we think people, he's the son of God. Yes, he is, but he operated as the son of man. He had the influence that he had on this entire world. And even to this day, people talk about it. Even if they don't believe in him as Lord and King, he was a good man. What was it about this man? He knew how to love. He did it. Totally selfless. So let me just... This is now Paul talking to you and I. And he's encouraging us to really start seeing life this way. So don't merely look out for your own personal interest. You could just stay there and just... That would be it. Okay? Don't look out for your own personal interests. Why? Because everybody's got a personal interest. Do we not? Right? Sure we do. But he said, but also for the interests of others. Now, you may know your interest, but do you know your spouse's interest? Do you know your kids' interest? Do you know anybody else in this room's interest? Because if you do, now we're starting to really live. So he goes on to say verse 4. Do nothing from selfishness. Now, Do what? Nothing. What does nothing mean? Nothing. Nothing. Do nothing. What is a nothing to you? (laughs) Giving. It could be your time with somebody. It could be, you know, washing somebody's car, doing the lawn. Do nothing... From selfishness or empty conceit, through factional motives or strife, but with an attitude of humility. Now, again, this is an attitude. An attitude of humility, being neither arrogant nor self-righteous. Now, regard others as more important than yourself. (laughs) So what is that? I want you to look at your neighbor for a moment, and I want you to say, you are more important than me. Some of you didn't do it. Look at somebody and say, you are more important than me. (laughs) You're more important than me. more important than me. (laughs) Now, what does that mean? When I look at Jamie and I say, you are more important than me, I'm going to be mindful of what she may need. Right? A lot of people think, oh, man, like, yeah, you you babysit your kids. (laughs) You do different. No, no, no. We have joint work together. When there's things that she needs and I'm able to help her get that, what am I doing? I'm actually showing that I'm laying myself down so that she can do what she needs to be doing. What's more important? She is. For me, she is. And when I'm able to lay that life down, what are we doing sacrificially? We're just laying each other, our own selves down rather than me trying to lay her down so I can get my way. And what happens? That brings strife into the relationship. That brings frustration. Woman, just let me do what I want to do. And what happens, Ah, no, not you, just other women. Ah. (laughs) Because she lays her life down selflessly for me all the time, so I never had to do that. But you think about it, if you would just, I'm going to lay myself down. You know what, sweetheart, what do you need? Okay, you need that, you go ahead. And we just, you give back and forth. That is love. That's showcasing it. She's more important than myself. Is that easy to say? Not in your flesh. But when you get rooted and grounded in this love, you see how much God loves you. What am I able to do? I'm able to take on this same attitude. That's right. Now notice this, verse 5. Everybody say it with me. Have. Have. Have this same attitude. Have it. Possess it. Love's already on the inside of you. You're capable of it. Have the same attitude in yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus. Look to Him as your example in selfless humility. You don't look to what somebody else has done. You don't look to what I've done. Look what I did for you. You look to Christ. And husbands, this is big for you and I. Ephesians chapter 5, it actually says that our sacrificial life for our wives is actually supposed to hurt us. Huh? Right? There's been times Jamie wanted to have a conversation with me. And the soccer game's on. Right? And not not deep, not a deep conversation. She's talking to me. So what do I gotta do? I may have to mute the TV. The soccer game's on. But <laughs> don't mute your wife. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. So when I I'm gonna sacrifice, I gotta put it down to hear what she's gotta say. Because it all goes on to say is he who loves his wife is actually whoa. Actually, love thank you, Lord, for that new sound system. It's on its way, y'all. It's on its way. I know breakthrough is coming. By faith, I see the miracle. Sorry, I got Again, it's the tie. It's the tie. It's the tie. What were we talking about? You were interrupting me? Oh, yeah. Uh, Just let her talk. (laughs) He who loves his wife actually loves himself. So it would be good to do that. Anyways, let's continue on. Verse 5, I believe it is. Now it just said, looking at Jesus to be our example, who although he existed in the form and unchanging essence of God, as one with him, possessing the fullness of all the divine attributes, the entire nature of deity, he possessed all that. Now notice what? He did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, or asserted, as if he did not already possess it, or he was afraid of losing it. Man, think about that. I remember my dad saying this one time. He's saying, it's like you and I were actually drawing a sketch. A, 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 what do you call that? A stickman. That's my best drawing. You, you got a stickman, right? You got a whole little stickman world that you create. You draw it all out. They get into a lot of trouble, so what am I doing? I'm willing to go into my drawing and become a stickman to save the stickman. That's what Jesus did with us. He was God, yet he gave it all up. Ha! Next verse. But he emptied himself without renouncing or diminishing his deity, but only temporarily giving up the outward expression of divine equality and his rightful dignity. By assuming the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, he became completely human, but was without sin, being fully God and fully man. After he was found in the terms of his outward appearance as a man, for a divinely appointed time, he humbled himself still further by becoming obedient to the Father to the point of death, even the death of a cross. He was willing to come down to our level to raise us back up again. Now think about it for Why do you serve Jesus? Why do you live for this man Jesus? Because we see the example of him coming down to where I was so that he could lift me up to where he is. Why are we so on fire with this? Because he loved me. How are you think you're going to reach people in the workplace? The same way. Don't expect people to come up to your level. They're not there. If they're not born again, they are, the Bible says that they've actually been darkened. They have no clue. So what can I do? I'm actually going to try working You know, empathy. I'm going to put myself in their shoes for a moment. I'm going to see life from their perspective. Come down and meet them so I can pull them up. What's my motive is love. Just telling people that they're off and they're wrong, turn to burn, turn to burn, that ain't love. There's nothing in that. What is that? That self-righteousness trying to proclaim, this is who I am and I'm doing this for God. God probably never asked him to do it. I guarantee it. Because if the motive is not love, it's nothing. Paul even said that in 1 Corinthians 13, you read the first three verses. If I just talk, if I just, you know, if I could speak of all the angels, if I could have the, the language of angels and all of men, and if I did not have love, what am I? Noise. That's what it is. And the church is, a lot of the times, there's no love in it. You're just a banging symbol. All you're out there is doing, making noise, and there is no impact. What's impact? Love is the impact. The next thing is that I could give everything that I got to the poor. But if I do not have love, it would profit me nothing. So love has got to be the motivation for everything that we do. Let me pick it up here a little bit. The second thing. So number one is, I'm able to think of others more important than myself. Number two, the gifts of the Spirit can now flow through me. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 31, Paul says this. He says, you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts, but now let me show you a way of life that is best of all, love. Now everybody, we know what we're talking about, the gifts of the Spirit? 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about those that are in the church. There's gifts that the Holy Spirit now wants you and I to use and to actually lift up, encourage, and strengthen people. Right? you got the word of wisdom word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, the gift of faith, all all of these, right? They're all in there. I'm not going to get into it. But a lot of times we kind of think that those gifts of the spirit are just for special services or they're for those that are, you know, speaking on the platform or those that are in preaching ministry. No, 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 no. If you are in the body of Christ, the spirit of God, you have a gift that the spirit of God has given you to use. Everybody has that gift. But what's the flow that it works and operates in? Love. When I am completely embodied and I'm rooted and grounded in love, the gifts of the Spirit are a safe place to flow from me from. Why? Because a lot of times you can use the gifts of the Spirit to manipulate people, to trick people, to try to control people. But when my motive is love, the gifts can flow out of me so purely, so cleanly, that when people hear it, it's actually going to strengthen them, it's going to comfort them, and it's going to encourage them. That's what they're used for. Because I've been in services before when the gifts of the Spirit are in operation, and to me it's a, it's a joke. There's nothing in there. Why? Because the motive was off. You can, you can tell. You have the Spirit of God on the inside of you. You know when you hear something, you go, ah, that, that's, that's just a bit weird. Right? But when it's done out of love, even people that are not part of the church, they go, I like that. There's something about this. The Holy Spirit, yeah, we may think it's kind of weird stuff. It's it's just normal. When you see somebody operating, they're speaking in other tongues and then saying what's what they just heard on the inside of them in tongues... That's not weird, it's normal. Because what it's supposed to do to the hearer, it's supposed to encourage, comfort, strengthen. When that happens, they go, oh, I like that. Yeah, that's what it is. So we want the gifts of the Spirit to flow through us regularly. How? I'm rooted and I'm grounded in love. So rather than trying to learn how to prophesy and do all these things, first and foremost, get planted and rooted in love. Then it'll just come out of you. Okay, next. Thirdly, this is the last one, is I can make room for others and their gift. When I'm rooted and grounded in love, I can make room for other people. For them to be who they are, and at the same time, able to use their gift. Now, I know this with all my heart, that we as a church family, we are growing. And one of the things that we're going to have to do is we're going to have to make room for people. Not just room in the sense of physical room, but in our own hearts, we're going to have to make room for people. I mean, one of the things that I love about our church family here and that, we've, that you've all done such a great job and the culture that we have here is no clicks. Clicks stink. Yeah. Nobody wants to be part of a clicky bunch. So for those of you that are visiting, we are not a clique. We're not part of this cultish thing. Well, we are a family, a part of the family of God that loves Him more than anything, and we love people. Yeah. And we do our best to love and to serve them any way that we possibly can. So but when we embody these things, we're able to make room for these gifts. Cause listen, you look at the person around you, they got gifts on the inside of them. There's stuff in you. How do we get it out? Well, we're gonna, gonna be some stretching involved in that, but we also have to make room. Come, yeah, you got a gift? Yeah, come on and use it. Because it's not a one man show. This is the body of Christ. We all got gifts, we all got talents. Now we gotta use them for the benefit of me, for others. My gift, God anointed me to preach. That's my gifting. That's my calling. I know that. But is it for me to build a platform so people can go, oh, I like what he says. Oh, I like how he does things. My gift is for you. I, if I use it effectively, if I use it motivated in love to help people see Jesus, I've done my job right. That's all that I'm interested in. That's what we are here. So anytime you see anybody on the platform, it's not to glorify themselves and say, look how good I can belt out this. No, none of that. It's all here to lift up Jesus. We're just making room for the gift. So now what are we? We're just vessels. That's what Paul said. We're just vessels. That's all that I am, right? Okay. Ephesians chapter four. Look at this real quick. Verse one and three. It says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. When do I be humble and gentle? Always. Always. What if the person's a real jerk? (laughs) Always. Always. What if he said something real nasty about me? (laughs) About my tie. (laughs) My lack of tie. Always be humble and gentle. Then he says, be patient with each other. Why making allowance for each other's faults, <laughs> doesn't say make it, make allowance for each other's good things that they do, for their faults. Why? Because of your love. Make room. So, have anybody missed it up before? Anybody screwed up before? All right, just five of us. Okay, get your hands up in the air. Get your hands up in the air. Come on, y'all. All right. Faults. So, what is he saying? Make allowance for that. Why? Because you love one another. Yeah. Then he goes on to say, "I love this verse. Make every effort. What does that sound like? Yeah. Work. Yeah. Make every effort. Everybody say work. work. I mean, a relationship cause work. Yeah. Yeah. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit. Then look at the next word, binding, binding yourself <laughs> together with peace." Yeah. <sighs> There may be a difference. There may be this. What am I going to do? I'm going to make every effort to keep myself united in the spirit. I'm going to be united. Why? Because we're of the same body. He goes on to say we're the one body, one God, one Lord, one church. This is who we are. So we are not in odds with any other church. Come on, somebody. That's where a lot of that gets, this gets hung up on. You want to see the blessing of God in your life? If there is any of this that is going on where you have disunity, you have strife, you have contention between somebody, it is stopping the blessing of God in your life. And you could be praying, God, you know, I need healing in my body. God, I need this in my body. He can't, it's not that He's withholding it. He can't get it to you simply because you're totally out of sync with Him. Here you are doing your own thing, thinking, oh yeah, this person's a jerk and I'm going to let Him know and 50,000 other of my friends on Facebook know. He's an idiot, He did this. And what happens? Oh, Jesus, I just need this in my life, and I need this. I need godly, divine relationships. And meanwhile, you find yourself alone. Why? Because 50,000 other people on Facebook know your issue, and you're the biggest one. I have a real thing for Facebook. <laughs> so what do we got to do? I'm going to make every effort to keep myself united with somebody. Not in what... Oh, you like coffee, I like coffee, let's hang out. Uh, it's, more, it's deeper in that. Simply, I, I, I want this because this is what God wants. United, so what am I going to do? If there's any ill fitting, I'm going to now come from this perspective and tell them my problem. So let me tell you this if you've got an issue with somebody, don't just go, I'm going to just stuff it underneath for a little while. You know, love just puts it all away, puts it all away. All of a sudden, there comes a day where you blow up. It's not what he's saying. He's saying confront. Is confrontation good? If it's motivated out of love, absolutely. Right? It's got to be there. And when it's done properly, you may win the person over, and it's for them to now do whatever they got to do with it. But I'm going to keep myself, make every effort to keep myself united, and I'm going to bind myself together with peace. Why? Because my peace is mine to hold on to. Hold your peace. It's mine. Nobody is going to take this from me. Say what you want. Talk about my tie. Talk about my lack of tie. Say whichever you want. I am going to hold my peace because this is more valuable than just something out here. Why? So I can sleep at night. Yep. And on a quick side note, I got a 25-pound blanket, y'all. I'm doing great on my sleeps. Anybody ever get one of those yet? Those will change the way you sleep, man. You're lifting weights while you sleep. I try to turn over. 25 pounds just of heavy material all over you. And uh, I'm going to call up worship team. Would you guys come up for a quick sec?